Hello, listeners. Welcome to Podcast 9 from the Tennessee Association of Recovery Court Professionals. I'm your host, Marie Crossan. This podcast is a resource for recovery courts to provide them with information, inspiration, and illumination on topics of interest to them. You can access all our episodes on our website, as well as on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Alexa, and several others. If you have an idea for a podcast, please reach out to me at marie.crossen at tarcp.org. Well, today we are talking with Bryant Owens, who is a case manager with the Shelby County Recovery Court in Memphis, Tennessee. Hi, Brian. Hey, Marie. And we're talking specifically about fitness and exercise for individuals in re- specifically in recovery court. There's a wealth of information out there about fitness and exercise and the benefits of that for people in recovery, which we'll get into a little bit. But we also are going to learn about what Brian did in the Shelby County area to implement fitness and exercise opportunities for the people in recovery court. So thank you so much, Brian. As you know, I have wanted to do this particular topic for a little while, and I'm really excited to get to share with folks what you guys have done in Memphis and Shelby County to do something that is supportive and encouraging for folks in your recovery court. So first, before we get started, tell us a little bit about your role in recovery court and how long you've been there. I've been with the Shelby County Drug Court for over 10 years now. So my role has morphed throughout the years. I am now the CPRS coordinator. So CPRS, for y'all that don't know, is I'm a certified peer recovery specialist, and that's somebody that has a lived-in experience and can help others successfully navigate the program. So in layman's terms, I'm a graduate of the Shelby County Drug Court. I graduated over 12 years ago, and just real brief, my charge that got me in was somebody caught, turned CI on me, which is a confidential informant, and had me sell morphine and heroin to undercover. And that's the trigger charge that landed me in the drug court. Awesome. So you come at this from basically at least two different perspectives. Somebody who was served by the program in the justice system and somebody who now serves those folks that are coming through the justice system to drug court or recovery court. Right. Yeah. I love people in recovery. I didn't know anything about recovery until I got introduced into the drug court program. And because of that, like, I understand people that come in and they're like, hey, like, I don't know anything because I was very naive to how things work. And it's just great to sit there and educate people on recovery and the things you do, like even like going to meetings, there's a nuance to all of it in the language. And I get to explain all that to people and help them navigate the system. Cool. And this particular program that we're talking about today, how long has that been in existence? I don't know if you call it a program or what you actually call it when you're doing your day-to-day work. So we don't actually call it a program. Yeah, It's CrossFit. So we do CrossFit and it's two times a week. And on Mondays and Wednesdays at 10 a.m., we have a gym that allows us to come there and we have a tier 10 level trainer that comes in there that will sit there and teach them proper lifting techniques, will critique their form, tell them what they're doing wrong, tell them what they're doing right. Then we also offer yoga as well, Ashante yoga. 
And same thing, we have a yoga instructor that comes in there and that's on Sundays at 10 a.m. and teaches people breathing techniques. And then we actually go through the yoga forms and poses and she will critique their yoga form. Very cool. And we know that, especially more recently, there's been a lot more information and research about the benefits of including fitness, movement, and exercise in programs for folks in recovery because it helps elevate mood, it promotes self-care, it begins to repair the body, gets people into a routine, which can be really useful for folks that have maybe not had a very standard routine in life. There are so many things that it does. But when you're talking to the participants at Recovery Corps, what do you tell them about this? How do you approach them with this opportunity? First, does everybody have to do it or is this voluntary? Or So this is completely voluntary. None of this is mandatory. If you don't mind, can I just tell you how it all started? Please. Yeah, just go ahead. Yeah, so if that's where you want to go with it, sure. How it all started was about two and a half years ago, I was at this Washington, D.C. conference and this lady named Marie Crossan comes up to me. It says, Brian, I want you to meet this guy. And he had this program, and I forget the state, but the program was Phoenix. And they offered CrossFit to their people. And you were sitting there telling me about all this stuff. And this guy was telling me about how CrossFit is up their clients. And you're saying, like, well, maybe y'all need to do something like this in Memphis. I remember shooting you down so hard was like, no, it won't work. We've tried this before. In fact, it was Church Health Center and they allowed our people to come in and use their gym. So free gym membership, which if y'all don't know how much gym membership costs, like they are expensive. They can be very costly. So a regular gym membership at something like a Planet Fitness is like, what, $9.99? As the gyms and the quality of the gyms go up, it can go up anywhere from like, 50 to 60 dollars a month you know it's your la oh, fitness. easy oh easy yeah and then crossfit itself is 150 a month so as you go up in tiers of levels of your gyms the economics that people that could benefit from it can't afford it right you sat there and told me about like this and i told you it never worked we offered free gym membership to our people and none of them liked it and then I came home back to Memphis and didn't think nothing about it. And like, I think it was a day later, two days later, a guy off of our nonprofit, one of our board members called me up, Ian. And he said, Brian, I got a guy that wants to teach CrossFit to your guys for free. <laughs> and I said, no. And I was thinking, darn it, like Marie, like you spoke this thing into existence. And I didn't care for CrossFit. I'm a traditional gym lifter. And I went there and they allowed me to participate in one class for free. And after I did one class, I was hooked. And the guy set it up for our clients to come in. So it took about a month to actually filter the people through. We asked who wanted to participate. And we fielded them and sit there trying to figure out who would be a good candidate do they even have time? And then we set up our first class. So our first class was completely like whoever wanted to come. But if you came, you had to have a hard commitment that you're going to continue to come. At the same time, 
I was running this group. It was a relapse group. So for people that had just recently relapsed or continued to use, however you want to frame that, I had two guys in there and they just continued to use. And I told them that I wanted them to come to CrossFit and they agreed. And they came to CrossFit and they loved it. One was a firefighter who got hurt in the line of duty and got prescribed opiates. And that spun his addiction out of control with him doing heroin. He actually was an overdose that the cops came and narcaned him and, you know, saved his life. And that's how we ended up getting him for drug court. And another guy was just a, a longtime heroin user. I had trouble trying to get both of them sober for any kind of period. I couldn't get more than like a week or two weeks out of them. And then we started this CrossFit and we were doing it together and we were all just lifting together and they stopped using and they were bragging to everybody in the group how great CrossFit was. And I said, so y'all stopped using? And their reasoning for stopping was so silly to me. If I use, I won't be good the next day. And so they didn't use because they wanted to be good in CrossFit because CrossFit's very competitive. You're a group of guys and you're sitting there trying to do a series of lifts and exercises as fast as possible and as efficient as possible. And everybody wants the top tier and get the top time. So that was their goal was if they used, they wouldn't get that top time. And they both stopped. That's incredible. It was amazing. And it sounds like they also impacted other folks in the program and perhaps got some other folks interested because they were doing it. Yeah. So the strongest way, if you want to impact anybody, is get to their peers. So me being a CPRS, I am a peer, but at the same time, an authority figure, right? So I can get them to a little bit of movement. But if I really want to impact somebody, go after their peers. So they started talking to everybody about how great CrossFit was. And then more and more people wanted to do it. And it was just a great movement, you know, and just a group of guys just going in there. And I keep on saying guys, but please know that there's women in there too. I mean that as a generic term for people. So we had men and women just going in there and doing CrossFit. And the cool thing about CrossFit is people just think, well, you're just exercising. Well, at the same time, what the teacher does is each day you go in there and there's already a series of exercises that you have to complete that day. But beforehand, he'll teach you things that you need to do. So the biggest thing is breathing. So a lot of people don't realize that just like simple breathing and he'll sit there and teach you how to stimulate your vagus nerve. So this is stuff you do in mindfulness exercises. And he teaches like how to actually do deep belly breathe breaths and like how to do these deep breaths and like breathing in through your nose, out through your mouth and then pushing and expelling. And you're doing that to push and expel carbon dioxide out your body. And the reason why is because a buildup of carbon dioxide will actually lead to anxiety, that fear. Like, so when you're exercising, you're feeling like that anxiety, or I can't keep on going on, can't keep on going on. It's usually a buildup of carbon dioxide in your body. 
So he teaches you all these techniques before class. So each class is an educational piece where he teaches you something and then you implement that. So for an example, on the breathing, he'll have you get on a bike and you'll sit there and bike for like a minute, just at a moderate pace. And then after a minute, you'll speed it up to a little bit harder. And then you'll speed it up to another little bit harder pace. And you do this for a total of three minutes. And you have how fast or how far you rode on your bike. And now you implement this breathing technique of actually expelling this carbon dioxide at your body. And you have to beat your time. So you get to see like how this is effective in regular day-to-day life. And how to like slow down like anxiety, the stuff that builds up. I love it. Uh, He's brought in nutritionists to talk to our people about proper nutrition intake, like the macronutrients, about how many carbs to eat, how much fat, how much protein. So he'll bring these people in and has these people teach our clients. It's amazing. So at this point, it's turned into more than exercise He's spending more time than just doing some kind of training with them. If a participant was in your program and wanted to do everything that was offered in this one area, how many hours a week is that? Because it sounds like you've got CrossFit, maybe some education and yoga weekly too, right? Right. That like three hours of their time, two and a half hours of their time, something like that? Three hours you're dead on. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Three hours. And from a practical perspective, the resources, based on what you've said so far, is you have a volunteer with a lot of experience in what he's doing, mm-hmm. who is the owner of or a trainer at a CrossFit gym and has offered a time slot Friday night or Thursday night or something that's maybe easy for him to give. And you have a yoga instructor who also has a relationship with that gym and has volunteered his or her time. Is that right? Very accurate. So Justin, the owner, is he owns the gym. He's actually in recovery himself. And that's how he found recovery through fitness. And he wants to offer that. The program is called COPS, Community Outreach Program, which I always thought was funny. It's kind of cheeky. (laughs) He offers the time slot for himself and then he pays the yoga instructor to come in there. And so it's for folks that are not just in the recovery court too then. Is that right? Correct. The CrossFit is for the people in recovery court program and it's recovery courts. Like it could be veterans court or whatever. I've mixed mental health court in there at times that didn't seem to go so well, but the veterans were amazing at it. Oh, I'm sure that's something I would love to do. Mm. And so in terms of the participants and their comments or feedback to you about this opportunity, are there things that they have said or shared about participating in this that have stuck out to you? They love it. So I just told you about those two people earlier in the podcast. Mm -hmm. They've graduated. We're talking about it's two years later. They still participate. This is their form of long-term recovery. 
they still participate. So now I have people that have graduated. It hasn't been around that long, but long enough to where I've had people graduate and people stay with it. And they come in there. So now our clients get to work alongside people that have graduated the program that are doing fitness and getting to stay clean and they get to see that. So it's very motivating. Cool. And do you notice that they build a sense of community amongst themselves outside of the program in any way by doing that together? Most definitely. Then they get gym memberships and they do it together. They're usually close to each other. So most definitely. That's cool. The yoga is a little bit different. So whenever I think about yoga, don't get mad at me, people, but I always think about like white women (laughs) doing yoga. So I have this preconceived notion about the population that's going to be there. It is completely wrong. So Candice is our yoga instructor, and she's from upstate New York. And the class is very much that of Memphis. It looks just like Memphis. So in terms of diversity of the individuals participating. Yes, it is amazing. And then you have people from the community. So you have these people that are like part of the community and they sit there and do it with the clients and these clients end up talking to them. And like these people are regular citizens and like have jobs and give these guys leads on jobs and like how to do this and do that. And they're very supportive. It's been amazing. I guess you have, since it's not mandatory and it's voluntary, you might have some participants that gravitate towards the yoga as opposed to CrossFit and vice versa. Maybe some folks that'll do both. Yeah. So the yoga is going to have more of a female dominant population. I've seen you in there doing some yoga. I've seen some (laughs) pictures, so I know you're there. Yeah, I definitely love it, but it's going to be more female dominant where the CrossFit is going to be more male dominant. Because women are scared to, quote unquote, bulk and get big. And they have to sit there and explain to women like, hey, the reason why guys get big and bulk is because they have this thing called testosterone in them. And like females don't really have that. So the potential for you to do it is not big whatsoever. They think like they're going to lift weights one time and they're going to become like the Hulk. And that's just not true. And you have to sit there and tell them like physically, like you can't do that. Your body doesn't have the hormones to do that. Only men can do that. So if another program was thinking about ways to do this, what would be your best advice for them? I mean, it sounds like you were fortunate and maybe a God thing happened because you were approached. But how would a community that maybe hasn't been approached go about trying to see if they could do this for their participants? So you're right. It was very much a God thing with me. But what I would do is what we've done in the past is go to your local gyms. And sometimes your gym, you might have like a YMCA in your town. So more of a nonprofit style gym. And like that way you're linking up with another nonprofit. That's the first thing that I'd go after. So we have several nonprofit gyms in the Memphis area just because we're a huge city. I would approach them. And then after that, I would also be mindful of people in recovery going to the gym. So what a lot of people don't realize is there is a huge portion of people in gyms that are actually in recovery. 
It might not be like the traditional AA recovery, like take that notion out your head that what I mean is 12 steps is the only way to recover. There's going to be people in the gym that are recovering from drugs and alcohol that don't go any kind of program, quote unquote, like the gym is that program. So realize that's it right there. So you might go in there and look up and find some of those people. So just don't go in there and think like, I have to have somebody from AA or somebody from a 12-step recovery to help me. These people are there. They exist. You just might have to go in there and like say like, hey, this is what I'm wanting to do. This is who I'm with. And do you know anybody? And the cool thing about gyms is people get scared whenever they go in there. If they've never been before, they get intimidated. Realize that everybody in there is wanting to better themselves and help others. Like that's the thing about gyms. Like you need to remember that just like the 12-step community, they want to help other people get to where they are because they started off somewhere. So the community is very healthy and supportive. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that either. I also wonder if at least to start off, if there was some value in you participating too, like you being there with them, especially in the beginning, if that helped folks to kind of connect with that, you know, that work. Yes. So I go anytime that I can fit it in my schedule. And at times it's, I was there like every day it was open. I was going and cheering on the participants and also right alongside of them. And that had a major impact, me actually being there, because all of a sudden, like, I get to be beside them and it's not like court Brian, drug court Brian, like I'm just a regular guy and had a huge impact on them. And it facilitated a bonding that you just can't break that bond. A therapeutic bubble that you want to have with your clients, empathy and trust. This will strengthen it and create it like none other. When you are modeling some self-care behavior too, which can be really challenging to participate in if you're not used to taking care of yourself in any way, taking care of yourself. Well, right. And then they get to see me being fatigued and wanting to quit, but not giving up. So I get to do the whole perseverance, like they get to see me persevere. So it makes them want to persevere. And it's great. Well, thank you, Brian, for speaking with us today and for giving me kudos that I I don't really deserve. But I love that I'm a part of that story with you. The views and opinions of the hosts and guests on the show are their own and do not represent TARCP. If you haven't already, connect with us on social media, on our Facebook page, on Twitter at TADCPTN.org, on Instagram, or check out our website at www.tarcp.org. To the Recovery Court folks listening, and that includes all of those community partners, CrossFit, yoga, etc. Remember, Recovery Court's work because of you. So until next time. 